Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's okay to say that in this house, isn't it? Amen. I love, I love the Christmas season. I love it for so many reasons, but I love it for the songs that we sing. You know, there are a lot of songs we sing about Christmas. A lot of them have to do with Santa Claus. A lot of them have to do with worldly love. And they miss out on one of the most important aspects of what Christmas is, is all uh, about. Uh, today, we're going to look at, at a hymn that, that is just so rich theologically theologically. It is so deep when it comes to the reason for Christmas. Uh, in a day and age in which uh, so many songs are written about other things, we're going to look at a song today that is, speaks specifically about the birth of Christ. We're on this journey, the songs of Christmas. Today, the song is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In 1627, the English Puritan Parliament banned the writing of Christmas hymns and carols because they viewed the Christmas celebration as worldly. I know we would never make it worldly today, and it's holy, right? And everybody understands why we celebrate Christmas. But it was during this abolishment of writing Christmas hymns and carols that that you find there's a scarcity of hymns written written during the, the 1700s and the early 1800s. Hark the Herald Angel Sing was written during that period by a gentleman by the name of Charles Wesley. Now, Charles Wesley is pretty impressive. He wrote over 8,000 hymns. Now, that's a, that's a pretty remarkable number, but consider that while he lived in the 1700s, there was no typewriter, there was no computer, there was no internet. Not only was Charles Wesley a, a famous hymn writer, but he was also the brother to one John Wesley. And because of the labors of these two brothers, a vast spiritual awakening swept across England and here in the United States during their lifetimes. The Wesleyan movement emerged from from this, this day and age as well, which emphasized practical Christianity, personal discipline, and a warm-hearted, tendered love towards God. When Charles Wesley wrote this hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he he did not know that it would become a famous song that we would still be singing today. In fact, when he first wrote that song, he titled it, Hark How All the Welkins Ring. Welkin was an, an archaic English term that talked about the heavens. George Whitfield, another great man of God, got a hold of this song in in, in, in 1753. Wesley had written it in 1739, but in 1753, George Whitfield retitled it, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's how we know it and sing it today. There's not many songs that are more beautifully written that talk about the birth of Christ, that tell the true story of why Jesus came and was born in a manger. And for some 263 years, we as believers and some non-believers have been singing this great song that speaks of God's love for us and the reason Jesus was born. And so today, we want to invite you, since you're already standing, we might as well sing some more, right? Now listen, there are three stanzas to this song, only three, and guess what? We're going to sing them all because they're all good. So would you guys join Brittany and Dave and I as we sing this great Christmas hymn, 
Hark the herald angels sing. Don't you just love singing the old carols? Isn't that awesome? So good. It's so, so good. Hey, listen, I, I, I know that you were paying attention when you saw Pastor Sexy Todd up on the screen just a few moments. It, it's a, that's a sexy man right there. Hello, baby. I mean, it's just not a Barry White moment, right? But listen, we have something coming up called Christmas in the City. Many of you guys know that uh, for we've only been in this building for three years. We, we started having our Christmas Eve service years before this building was built. And we started having it on Bernie's Main Plaza, right in the heart of our community. And, and even though we have a facility now, we still kind of like the idea of, of us getting the message of Jesus out into our community and singing about his birth just in the night air. And so we want to invite you. You're going to receive an invite today, I believe, as they leave here today, Pastor Howard. Is that right? And uh, we want to encourage you to take some of these and, and begin to distribute those to family, friends, neighbors. We know that there are so many, and, and we'll promote them. There are so many gatherings Christmas Eve and, and different styles and, and, and approaches, but all with the same message. Uh, but for those of you that like to join us Christmas Eve, uh, we'd love to have you join us on Main Plaza. It's at 6 o'clock. Somebody said, how long does it last? To that, I'm offended that you would. No, just kidding. Like, Jesus changed your life. Can you not give him an hour? Just kidding. I don't say those out loud, but internally, I'm no, just kidding. I don't. But no, it's about 50 minutes, 55 minutes, and so that gives you time to still enjoy your family activities that night and, and the food and the tamales and all that stuff. Let us know. We'll be glad to join you afterwards for dinner. But, uh, but it's going to be a great time, so we hope that you'll join us, but I want to let you, you know about that. Christmas is a reason to celebrate, amen? And we do it big. I don't know how many of you have driven past the building at night and seen the lights outside. It's awesome. We want to encourage you. The gates open. Come drive through. Look at the lights. It's, it's, it's amazing. If you see some weeds, pull them. Uh, but it's just, it's just great. But uh, uh, we love Christmas around here. And I love this song, this, this, this song we sang today. We're, we're in a series entitled Joy. Last week, we, we looked at the song. Anybody remember? Anybody? Joy to the World. Awesome. We looked at Joy to the World last week, and, and today we look at this incredible song by Charles Wesley entitled, Hark the Herald Angels Say. I love this song. I, I, I love it, and, 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 and I love it for so, so many reasons. To, uh, and I guess to be honest with you, one of the biggest reasons I love this song is because it's the big song at the closing of a Charlie Brown Christmas how many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen? It was on Thursday night, by the way. We recorded it, and so uh, we're going to watch that you know, for the next 22 days, I guess, or 21 days or whatever. We love that, but, but I love that. Don't you just love the moment where Linus gets out there and kind of just throws down Luke chapter 2 and the gospel message? I love that. Many of you know that this is also a, a, a great song that was, was used at the ending of, of the great wonderful movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? How many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? How many, how many of you have seen it too many times? Yeah, and it goes on forever. It's like a six-hour flick. It's amazing. And, uh, but, but many of you remember at the, the, the closing of that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey's friends all gather in his house. They've all gathered there to kind of pull their resources to kind of bail him out of the, the financial pitfall that, that, that he was in. And, and it's amazing to me that, that these people that are there bailing George Bailey out were, were many of the same people that earlier on in the movie we'd seen that he had actually bailed out. Remember that? 
And I just love the imagery of that movie. I mean, in that movie, but even in this hymn that we just sang a few moments ago, we see God's rescue plan to redeem and bail out all of mankind. It's absolutely incredible. And Charles Wesley's hymns, all of them are just, just so rich theologically. They, 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 they all contain some, some important truths that, that, that I think feed our souls, important truths that I believe can, can help us in this spiritual pursuit of Christ that, we're, that we're, many of us have embraced. This hymn, this hymn is, is, is wrapped around and based on the words found in Luke chapter 2, those words that Linus gets up and, and quotes in a, a Charlie Brown Christmas, it's, it's words that the, the, the angels spoke to the shepherds while, while they were out in their field protecting their, their, their sheep from wolves and, and predators that, that would have you know, surely inhabited the countryside back in the day. So in Luke chapter 2, we, we find these words that, that was the kind of the, the catalyst for this great song. Beginning in verse 10, the, the word of the Lord says this. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring us great, what church? Joy, great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. He's been born today in Bethlehem. The city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Mm. Great, great hymn George, excuse me, Charles Wesley wrote that encompasses this passage in Luke chapter 2 that so many of us are very familiar with. Wesley writes, hark the herald angels sing. That word hark means to, to listen up. I know that's how many of you men address your family when you walk in. Hark! No, Hark, it means to, to, to listen up or to, to hark and listen to what it's saying. And when, when, it, when it says that the, the hark, the herald angels, it simply means that the angels that night were proclaiming or heralding the message of the good news. The good news which, as Charles Wesley wrote, glory to this newborn king. Amen? You need to know something about this king. This was not just an ordinary king, was it? This was a special king. I don't read any other times in history where angels appeared and declared and, and, and it just gave glory to God and, and encouraged others to, hey, listen, this king is worthy. Glory to him. Go find him. Oh, this king was not an ordinary king, folks. You need to know that. He was... Something special. Charles Wesley writes, Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. I love that. I love that verse. Because it means that there is the potential for you and I to have peace in our lives. Amen? There's potential for us to receive mercy from God. Mercy. Mercy from our creator. We have the potential. Say potential. Potential. Because that's important here. 
You see, we have the potential to have peace in our lives. There is potential for us to receive mercy from God in heaven. But you need to know something. God is not going to force himself upon us. You see, when, when, when it talks about in this, this verse about peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, that's written to a specific group of people. It's written to those, as the angel would go on later to say, whom God is pleased with. Those who respond to the newborn Messiah and follow his ways. Hey, listen, Christ's death does not automatically bring peace and mercy for all. It does not automatically make God and sinners reconciled. You see, I must choose. I must choose to receive. I must choose to receive through faith this newborn babe that was born for my deliverance. Are you with me today? But the potential is there for every one of us in this room to have peace. The potential is there for every one of us in this room to receive this mercy from God. Does that make sense? Look what Paul would say in the book of Romans chapter 5, some 40 years later after this event. Paul would write this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You tracking with me? Because of our faith, it says, God has, or Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still, what? Sinners. You know that that is something that every one of us in this room have in common today. Every one of us are sinners, right? It means that we have hurt God's heart. We, 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 we've made poor decisions. We're scoundrels. We're dirtbags. In fact, just look at your neighbor right now and just say, you're a dirtbag. Just, just it's okay. This is church. It's all right. But listen, Scripture says that all of us have that in common. Scripture says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? So see, therefore, we needed someone who would, who would come and bring dirt bags like you and me back into the presence and into a relationship with the holy, perfect God in heaven. His name was Jesus. Let's see what Paul would go on to say. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. How are we made right in God's sight? By what? I thought it was by going to church more, by knowing more, by being a good person, by giving more, by, by carrying around my Bible. I, I thought I was made right in God's sight based on my mom and dad and if, if they went to church. No. Paul says we are made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, he will certainly, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And so now we can what? 
rejoice. We can what? We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Amen? Do you rejoice over that? I love what Paul... We can rejoice in this new relationship. Guys, we're friends with God. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we're not enemies any longer. We have the potential to be friends with God. And it's based on what he's done. So you see, in Luke chapter 2, that's what the angels were proclaiming, what this newborn king could do. When Charles Wesley wrote these words in 1739 to people who would sing it, he was wanting them to know, listen, you, you have the potential. This newborn king, oh, if we're wise and follow him, if we put our faith in him, there can be peace in your life. You can receive the mercy of a great God in heaven. This message was, in fact, not only for the shepherds that night. This message was not only for the Jews, but this message was for all nations. It was for all people. That's why Charles Wesley would go on to write in that verse, Joyful, all ye nations, rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, you're going to proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. I love it. Second verse, that first verse was good, wasn't it? I'm sweaty right now just talking about it. It's amazing. I need some oxygen. Second verse speaks of Christ being the eternal, the everlasting Lord. Listen, he didn't just show up and appear some 2,000 years ago, but Jesus has always existed before time and eternity, having no beginning and no end. Christ was not merely just some angel that showed up and walked the earth for some 33 years. No, he was, as Charles Wesley wrote, he was by highest heaven adored. He was Christ the everlasting. You know, everlasting means in the Greek, it means everlasting. It's what, he's the everlasting Lord. He was the Lord God, yet as the Lord of glory, check this out, he left glory to come to earth and become one of us. Have you ever asked yourself, why would God do such a thing? Well, why would God, who, who, who's in heaven and, and in glory, why, why would he come and become one of us? Or, hey, maybe there's a better question. If God became man, then what would he look like? Who was it? Joan Osborne that says, what if God were one of us? Just a slob like one. You remember that song? You know, what would he look like? Did, 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 did this Jesus who was born in a manger, did he really possess the attributes of God? Well, maybe in order for us to answer those first two questions, maybe we ought to begin with, with another question. is Why would God become man? L let me illustrate it to you, to, to you this way. Imagine that, that you're watching a farmer plow a field, and, and you notice that, that, that there's an anthill that's about to be plowed under with the next turn of the tractor that that farmer makes as he moves his way back down. This, this field that he's plowing. Now, because you're an ant lover, any ant lovers in the room? Anybody ever had an ant farm? Raise your hand. Don't be but right here. Yeah, ant lovers right there. You squashed them now, but there was a day and you loved them. You fed them. You took care of them. You watched them, right? Because you're an ant lover, you're changing the ant world, right? You run to this hill that you see, this mound of ants. You, you, you run to them because you want to warn them, hey, the farmer's coming. 
you guys are about to be decapitated, right? And so you, you, you start by shouting to them, and, and, and they continue to do what ants do. They work because they're workers. They work, work, work. Let me hear you work. They work, right? You know, and you, you, you did try sign language, and you, you just can't communicate with them. You're not getting through. They're not listening. They're not bailing out. Why? You just aren't communicating. You've not found the best way to communicate with them. You see, only by becoming one of them, only by becoming an ant, can you communicate with an ant. So why would God become one of us? Well, maybe that's the only way that he could get our attention and communicate with us. You see, although the Old Testament prophets tried to communicate and encourage the people to turn from their wayward living, their wickedness, they would listen for a while, but yet then they would turn their backs and continue to fall. And so maybe God just determined that the best way he could communicate with us was by becoming one of us. You see, in order for God to communicate with us, he had to become a man to reach us. And that's why he came. We find also in that third verse, the writer Charles Wesley saying this phrase, late in time, late in time, behold him come. What does that mean, late in time, behold him come? We have to go back to the very beginning, the very first book of the Bible that we have. The very first book of the Bible is a book entitled Genesis. Great. And in chapter 3, verse 15, we, we find these words, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. You see, that speaks to Eve's seed that would come and defeat Satan, even though Satan would bruise her seed with her seed being Christ. You see, Charles Wesley goes on to write, late in time, behold him come. He was speaking of, and as it speaks of in Genesis 3, he was ultimately speaking of Satan's defeat on the cross. He was speaking of the suffering that Christ would undergo. You see, the writer of this great song speaks of this babe's supernatural birth, this child that would come, that would defeat Satan, that would bring freedom and liberty to all who would choose to receive him. Listen, you know that this babe was not born in a normal way as between a man and a woman, right? No, no. This was a divine birth. As Luke, the writer, would go on to say, this was the power of the Most High that would overshadow the the Virgin Mary. It would indeed, as Charles Wesley wrote of, it would be the offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh. Yes, ah, oh, but the Godhead we would see. It's the Godhead. He's veiled in flesh. But then he would go on to say, Hail the incarnate deity. You see, God came to earth in the form of a baby. Wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. This baby was both God and man, wasn't he? This was deity in humanity. So that all of us could behold and see. And you need to know something. He was not forced to come by his father. But he was pleased with us, as the song says, to dwell he was Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, he came willingly. He came to communicate with us. He came to show us who 
God is. The Son of God came. The Son of God did not stay in the safe immunity of of his heaven, but yet he chose to become a human. He chose to come and walk this earth. He chose to enter our world. He emptied himself of all of his glory, and he humbled himself and became a servant. He took our nature. He lived our life. He endured the same temptations that we experience. He experienced our sorrows. Listen, we have a Savior that experienced our hurts. He feels our pain. And ultimately, he bore our sins and he emptied himself by dying on the cross. The death, check this out, that you and I were supposed to experience. You know, there's so many things I love about this baby Jesus born in a manger. There's so many things that we can can read about in scripture about who he was and and how he lived his life. I love that, that, that he never stayed aloof from the people that we might expect him to try to avoid. You see, I love the things about Jesus. He made friends with the dropouts of society. Jesus would run to those people that others had labeled untouchable, and he would touch them. He even became more than than one of us, right? He did things that others in that day and age would not do, and he set an example, church, listen, for you and I today. Was he not the ultimate picture, the ultimate identifier of what love was really all about? That's why he came. He came to love. That final verse, the final phrase in that final verse is, Hail the heavenly prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. That word hail means to cheer. It means to salute. It means to approve and acclaim enthusiastically. Listen, are you excited? Do you with enthusiasm declare and hail this heaven-born prince of peace? Or are you ashamed? You kind of keep him to yourself and you don't want to offend others. Listen, the angels that night in Luke chapter 2, Charles Wesley's writing, listen, we ought to be exuberant. We ought to shout his coming. We ought to enthusiastically declare that our king has come. The prince of peace is here. That phrase prince of peace was something that Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet prophesied about so many years before his coming, some 700 years before he would ever be born. The prophet Isaiah labeled him as the prince of peace. He would be the one that would come to bring peace between God and man and grant peace in the hearts of, to those who would choose him. You see, peace comes to those who choose this baby born in a manger And although the world around us may be chaotic, listen, there is the potential for you to have peace. You have peace when you choose to place your trust in Christ, amen, and give him your life. He is the son of righteousness. He is the light and life, and light and life to all he brings. Listen, just as natural sunlight brings healing to to physical wounds in many depressed states, so exposure to Jesus, the son of righteousness, it can bring healing and life to the wounded soul. Are you with me? 
And he is risen. Charles Wesley said he's risen with healing in his wings. I don't know about you if you believe in healing. Levi Hartman could stand right now and declare that there's healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. That you can be cancer free. You can be. There's another report we heard of healing taking place. Chuck Hand, Charles, are you here? Chuck, you here? His eyesight has returned to him. He's been wearing a patch for months. And God has laid his hand and brought healing. There is healing in his wings. That's not just great words to an old hymn, folks. I'm telling you, that is reality. That's what Jesus has come to do for you. Risen with healing in his wings. Charles Wesley would say, mild he lays his glories by. Why? Born, he's born that man no more may die. You see, because of his birth, we do not have to undergo spiritual or eternal death. He would come and take away the sting of spiritual death. Because as the writer of Hebrews would state, he came to destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil. He destroyed him. And light in life to all he brings. He's born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. (laughs) You see, he's come to set us free. He's come that you might have life and have it to its fullness. You see, he's come to bring a second birth. He's come to bring a new life by his spirit. He's come to wipe your slate clean and bring you into a relationship with God. I know that every time we sing the words to this great hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, when you sing those words, peace on earth and mercy, my, listen, I know that for some of you right now, I'm a realist and I know, I know that it's hard for you to find peace. Watch the evening news, read a newspaper, and you might find yourself asking, it's a great question, where is this peace on earth? Throw in the the dangers that you may be facing personally or medically or financially. You might find yourself this Christmas season saying, where is that peace that Christmas is supposed to be about? Where is this peace? Charles Wesley wrote about in that great song. Well, I want to remind you of what those angels declared in Luke chapter 2. That it would come, the peace that you're looking for, despite what's happening around you, is found in this babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. In a dangerous world, an unpredictable world, where is that peace? I'm telling you, I know where it is. You see, it's in the hearts of those who are ready for eternity whenever it comes. They understand what the angel was saying that very first Christmas, the fear not. See, they understand that this Savior that has been born to you, he's Christ the Lord, and he's came to make us right with a holy God in heaven. You see, the announcement from heaven in Luke chapter 2, the announcement that Linus stood on the stage in front of all of his peers and declared of, listen, that peace that would come, that peace would be for those on whom God's favor rests. That peace would be, the Bible makes it clear, for people whose sins have been totally forgiven, 
whose sins have totally been erased from God's book. And I'm just telling you, no religion can do that for you. You working harder, being a better person, that can't do that for you. It is not, you can't be good enough to erase the bad, amen? You can't. And so it took a savior. It took a rescuer. If it could have been done without the death of the Son of God, you can be sure that that it would have been done that way. But only a man could die for man's sins. And only a man who was God could be totally perfect so that he can meet God's holy standards and not have any sin of his own to pay for. Enter Jesus, a babe. This baby who could barely find a a place to be born in the world that he created. (laughs) And you know, as I look around this room and as I look around our, our culture today, I see so many of us that are just like the innkeeper that night. We kind of have, have, have the door of our heart. We have the door shut, right, to this baby. We, 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 we have the door of our heart closed to, to, to this one who has come to, 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 to give us life and to, to set us free. You see, what so many of you need this Christmas season and what so many in our community are hungry and longing for, this peace that they need, listen, the peace that they need most, the peace that maybe you need most today is peace with God. We're not talking about peace that some earthly king or, or president or ruler can give. No, we're talking about peace that only God in heaven can bring into your life. The peace we need most is peace with God, the God who made us, the God who we will meet when we die. As Paul wrote, remember in Romans 5, 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus enters your life, the wall between you and God comes down forever, and he's there to help win this war that's going on in your soul. There's peace. And can I just tell you that this peace that God offers all of us, it's recession-proof. It's divorce-proof. It's terror-proof. It is death-proof. It's peace. It's peace. But first, you've got to come to this place of surrender in your life. You see, peace on earth, peace in your life is God's desire for every one of you listening to this sermon today. But in order to receive this peace, in order for you to have peace on earth, listen, you've got to come to this place of surrendering your life to God. What does that mean? You've got to quit trying to run your own life. You were never made to do that to start with. You know that, right? You were never made. You were never supposed to be the one that runs your own life. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That's a nice Christmas song. But it's that king thing. That's where so many of us have a problem with Jesus. Allowing him to be 
king of our lives. So many people have a problem with that. King Herod had a problem with it, didn't he? In fact, you remember in the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, when they were looking for the newborn king and they came before King Herod, Matthew chapter 2 verse 3 says, King Herod was disturbed. Oh, he pretended to like the idea, but he wasn't about to let anyone be king except himself. Just like us. We, we, we like the little baby Jesus. We, 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 we like that, that he, he, he comes to bring peace and, and runs the universe, but I, I run me. No one else runs me. He can go and do a, but listen, he's not going to be the one calling the shots. And I'm telling you, that's messed up thinking. Just remind you what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Everything was created through him and everything was created for him. You know that you've been created for the glory of God. You've been created to, to enjoy this relationship with, with your creator. But the problem is, so many of us have pretty much lived for ourselves and not for him. That's why Jesus had to come, and it took Jesus dying on the cross to pay for our sin. Now listen, if you, if you kind of have that Herod attitude, if you continue to, to, to say like, hey, there's not going to be any king but me. Listen, you're going to continue to live a life without meaning. And I believe that you're going to die without hope. But there's great news for you today. You see, I believe today could be the day that if you will just finally surrender the throne of your life to the true King Jesus, today can be the day that you experience this peace that the great hymn we just sang talks of. There, there, there can be peace on earth in your life this Christmas when you finally surrender kingship to Jesus. Hey, haven't you driven long enough? Isn't it time today that you just turn over the keys to your life and to your heart to the one who hmm, created you and has so much in store for you? telling you, when you grab on to Jesus, when you grab on to this rescuer, this savior that has come, the one who came to pay the penalty for your sin, I'm telling you, the, the storm in your life, there'll be peace present. I'm just, I cannot think of a better time for you to experience peace to surrender to a king than, than, than right now. <laughs> the threshold of, of his birth celebration. There's no greater time for you to have peace on earth than today. Maybe I'm talking to you right now. Maybe you're still king of your life. And maybe today is the day in which you 
need to just give up the throne that you're sitting on and allow Christ to come in and be Lord of your life. Hey, just tell him, hey, Jesus, I know that you died for me. And today I'm going to start living for you. Tell him that. Would you, would you stand with me this morning? I, I just want to pray us out and as we head out today. and Would you bow your heads? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask our, our ministry team to come and make themselves available this morning. And Listen, maybe you're here today and you need to experience peace. I'm telling you, it's found in this baby born in a manger. The one that Charles Wesley wrote about in that great hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In fact, today, if you want to begin this, this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, just, just tell him that right now. Just tell him that if you've never told him. And then I want to encourage you right now to come and, and share that with one of our, our friends that are down front this morning. Just come and tell them, hey, listen, I want peace in my life. And today I'm choosing to allow Jesus to be king of my life. And I want to say yes to him. Hey, we would love to pray with you and encourage you and share with you what that means. I hope that you'll let us do that. I hope that you'll let us come alongside of you and help you as you begin to pursue all things that Christ has for you. But he's come. He came to bring peace to your life. Lord Jesus, I'm praying right now for that person in this room that needs to come and surrender once and for all to you. They need to say yes to Jesus. They've heard the stories. They've sang the songs hundreds of times. But today is the day in which they say, Jesus, today I invite you in. I want you to be king of my life. I want you to come in and take over. I want you to bring the peace that only you can bring. If that's you, you come right now. You come and you find someone down front. Maybe you're here today and you're facing something that's just uh, difficult. And you would just say, you know what? I would just love for someone to pray with me and encourage me right now. There's something I've got to face this week and I could just use a word of encouragement. That's why we're here. You come. Jesus, we thank you for the life that you offer all mankind. You're not going to force it upon us. But you will give us this life if we will just make room for you. And Lord, I pray that today we would make room for Christ in us that we would receive the peace that he offers. It's in his great name we pray, amen.